0: Oh, welcome to episode two hundred and seven of Fergo and the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on
1: Twitter at Andrew RLP. Join me as always is the glorious League Freak. You can find on Twitter at League Freak. How are you going there, mate?
2: I'm very good, Andrew. How are you?
1: Not too bad. Not too bad. It's been a uh, it's been an interesting weekend in footy.
2: It has, and you know, before we get to that, we need mm. to tell people some things because we've got some statistics here which are really interesting. Yeah. yeah, And and
1: everyone knows how much I love stats.
2: Yeah, you're a big stats man. Um, And so our sponsor for the podcast, Manscaped, if you go to manscaped.com and put in our exclusive code, which is NRL, you'll get 20% off your purchase and free delivery. So go to Manscaped and put in NRL, get some really cool, like the Long Mile 3.0, it's like the Cadillac of Personal shavers, it's amazing. But here's some statistics, and, and the first statistic is from Dr. Drew. You know Dr. Drew? Big fan of his work. Yeah, he's fantastic. 85% of women think that bad grooming gives a major turn off. Which is really interesting. That's why you need to go to Manscaped.
1: That also teaches, there's fifty percent of women out there you just need to you just need to avoid <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> just, get there, just just flush out the hairy cags,
2: And if she's, if she's looking keen, yeah. run. You, you, want, you, you want to be able to have your choices, though, you know. Exactly. Um, 80% of women think that men should manscape below the belt. That's from an independent study. And 89% of men think good grooming is essential to their professional success. So if you want to do well in the stock market, if you want to do well in the footy field, if you want to do well in any walk of life, go to manscaped.com, put in the promo code NRL, exclusive to Ferga and the Freak listeners, and you will get 20% off of any purchase. I, As I said, the Walmart 3.0 is what you've got to go for. They also have something called the Perfect Package 3.0, which has, it, it's got all sorts of things in it. It's got the uh, Loma 3.0 Trimmer. It's got the Reviver. It's called the Ball Toner. It's so good. I love. I love Manscaped, and it's got the Crop Preserve Preserver, which is a ball deodorant, and it is anti chafing. How about that?
1: <laughs> That's phenomenal. It's I love fantastic. This
2: stuff. <laughs> it really is. It's fantastic. The best. The best sponsor ever. So you go there, you, you and make sure you put in that code NRL twenty percent off. Free shipping. Go and do it for yourself. Do it for your loved ones. Do it for your career.
1: Yeah. Now speaking of uh, speaking of softballs. Yes. <laughs> um, there's been a few tears being shit up in, up in uh, the Brisbane Broncos this yeah. week.
2: Yeah, um, they don't like they don't like losing games. They don't know how to handle it. No. it's really uh, weird. They've
1: had what six? Or, they've six or seven lost over the last. Two months, and mm-hmm. um, they don't know whether to, to cry or laugh anymore, it seems.
2: Yeah, and, like, the weird thing I find is that when they start losing a lot of games, all of these former players that pretend that they're behind the club, they just run in from a distance and start putting the boot into basically everyone. Yeah, yeah, it's it's funny how that happens. <clears throat> it's very, It's a very Queensland thing. Because they go on about loyalty at state of origin level, but they lose a few games and they all they all pile in. It's incredible. They just go to water. My yeah. God. Yeah, it's incredible. It, it really is. It's incredible. So
1: the story that we've got going here is that um, yeah, obviously Brody Croft was in tears was it two weeks ago? Yeah. After the Broncos lost again, um, but last weekend after they lost again. Uh, this time to the Melbourne Storm. There was footage showing him smiling with while he's talking with some of his former teammates at the Melbourne Storm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and one of the former Broncos players has said he was crying crocodile tears the week before.
0: Mm. Um,
1: yeah. that was from uh, was it Chris, Chris Walker said that. Chris
2: Walker, yeah, and he did it. He did it like in a bit of a. I'd look, first of all, why do dudes have Instagram? First of all, why do guys have Instagram? Instagram is for chicks to start taking pictures of their animals or their food or, in some cases, their asses, okay? There's no reason for a dude to have Instagram.
1: And that's not three different things. Like Usually they're trying to get all three of those things all together at the same yeah. time. Yeah,
2: I'm just sitting here with my fucking ass hanging out Eating this food, and oh, there's my dog, yeah, just my surrogate child. You know, <laughs> um, nothing
1: else is going on in the world,
2: yeah. My <laughs> ass, my dinner, my <laughs> fucking dog. <laughs> it, it's, it's really weird. Um, I can tell you already. So, basically, so this was reported in uh, News Limited, I think it was from Fox Sports, believe it or not. And
1: uh, I, I was to can I just say that this is what modern journalism is. It's not going yeah. around talking to people, no. ringing people up, um, doing anything investigative. It's going onto social media of famous players and just looking at the comments that have been made there. That's journalism today. Yeah. You don't leave your desk. Even if, there was, even if we didn't have coronavirus lockdowns anywhere,
2: that is still how they do journalism. It's funny, eh? It's funny. And look at us. We're talking about it too.
1: I, I... Oh, well, we're independents. We can do this shit if we want to. Yeah,
2: that's true. That's we're we're criticising the journalists, not the football players. We, we have... Oh, I'm about to criticise football players. Um, we we have given ourselves a free pass on this one. So anyway, Chris Walker, he puts up a post, and it's like, you know, he he suggests that they were crocodile tears from Brody Croft. Now, Payne Haas has Instagram as well, and he, like, replies to this, and he says... Why are you coming at him and making up a shit post? You look like a twelve-year-old. You nine ball. Message him instead if you've got a problem, you kid. I don't know what that means, right? Yeah, okay, but that,
1: that, that's going more well from Payne
2: Haas. Yeah, his his Chris Walker's reply, which is probably even worse. And I'm going to read exactly how they yeah, they yeah, put please, on. Okay? Please do, please do. Bra. if you're okay with him acting like that after a a lose, <laughs> maybe you should have a look at the culture. Have a think about it and get back to me. And then apparently Petro Sivinesiva said, he, in defense of Payne Haas, he said, proud of you, Payne Haas. You of all people, Chris Walker, should know the ups and downs of this game. Give him a break. We all nursed you through some shit during your career. Don't post shit. Support the lad. We have benefited off the, the game. Off the game we love. Now give back. Ring the lad and tell him how you conquered those low times instead of throwing shit from afar. Lift the brother up. That's what good men do. Um. Oh so. so,
1: so... Petro's suggesting that um, Brody Croft should go and move to South or the Roosters or someone. Is that what he's getting at? Isn't that what Chris Walker did?
2: Yeah, he, he he went on the Magical Mystery Tour, didn't he? Uh, yeah,
1: hook up with someone from home and away.
2: I just find it really weird that grown men would argue over fucking Instagram. It's It's a glorious time we're living in. It really is. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, and like, I, I love that Chris Walker starts sentences unironically saying bruh. Yeah, that is just that's amazing. Wow, yeah, that's that's the uh, that's the maruber influence in him that came through. Do you know? I I got to a point where I was saying it ironically so much that it basically was me saying it normally. All Became the time. part of his vernacular. Yeah, yeah. I was like, bruh. Nah and it was and I was trying to be ironic with it and I was but it was just so often I was like I got to remove this word cuz people start thinking I'm that that fucking douchebag Yeah yeah that was
1: uh, man that is funny I think we need to have an entire podcast
2: dedicated to um dopey shit rugby league players say on Instagram <laughs> That would be good. I've actually got a rugby league quote section on my website. You go there and you can look at some of the quotes that players have had over the years. Maybe we could do a whole episode out of that.
1: Oh, that'd be a good one. Yeah. One, of, one of my favorites was um, Tom Rudonikus in 1998 or 99. Yeah. And uh, a coach said to him, you know, what's your game plan, Tommy? And he said, we don't have a game plan because if we don't know what we're going to do next, how's the opposition going to know? That was brilliant yeah that, e- team, e- that team won two wooden spoons in a row, by the way,
2: yeah, and were were historically bad um yeah that was I remember him saying he really regretted saying that hey?
1: yeah, that was a cracker though
2: what's a uh, what's a good one uh, okay, here's one from Jason Hetherington on daryl Halligan's record for he'cause daryl Halligan got a record streak of thirty goals. And and Jason Hetherington said, the way he's kicking them, I'd hate to be his dog. <laughs> oh, yeah. He wouldn't miss. Here's another one. Jim Dimmick in 1999, when he was called out by the referee after a fight. And the referee said to him, you were the aggressor. And Jim Dimick said, of course I was. I fucking smashed him. <laughs> I remember that. Who was that? It might have been Tim Mander, and he laughed. He was laughing. Um,
1: It's the obvious ones that are always the
2: best. Andrew Johns gives us an insight to his messy training techniques. Not too many people know how hard I've worked since I broke my jaw. I have been flogging myself on the training paddock. (laughs) That was a pretty good one.
1: i surprised it wasn't Matty John saying that.
2: (laughs) I know, right? Um, I'll I'll give one more. Yeah. Um, oh, here's another one along the same lines. Willie Mason gives a graphic account of his methods to be ready for State of Origin 2 in 2007. I've been flogging myself to keep my fitness up there. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about that endurance. Yeah, well, you yeah, know, it's good cardio, bruh. <laughs> oh yeah. Now, um, oh,
1: speaking of flogs, um, Ben Barber made his debut playing AFL on the weekend. Yeah.
2: Yeah, he'll be uh, embraced in AFL.
1: He kicked 13
2: goals in his debut. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) Who was he playing against?
1: That was in two games in one day. Oh, my goodness. Shows you how easy that game is to play.
2: Yeah, that's pretty funny, that. A
1: a bloke who could never kick in rugby league uh, goes to AFL and, and does that.
2: Isn't it funny when you see, like, AFL types and they're like, oh, my God, he kicked a goal, and it's like, hang on a second. So no no one stands near them, and they've just got to boot the ball between two upright posts, and it can go as high or as low as it wants. It just has to go between the posts. But if you miss, you also get a point. What's difficult about that? Let's put it into terms that people from
1: overseas uh, would understand who have never watched AFL before. Yeah. Um, So say, let's put it in basketball terms. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so you bring in the field bring in the ball downfield and then everyone just You've stops. never
2: seen basketball, have you?
1: <laughs> no, not really. Okay. Everyone stops and you just stand there, you just have a free shot. Yeah. Like no, no defence comes running out. You just stand there, you take your free shot, and you just move down the other end, you just take it in ten second free shots. The only time there's any any challenge going on is in them is in the movement from one end to the other, but not more shots have been taken.
2: It's like netball, you know in net and netball's a crap sport. More people need to call out what a just a garbage sport netball is. I'm sorry, but there's it's not a sport where when you play defense too good, you get a penalty, okay? So it's like netball where you get close to it and the netball players are allowed to put their hands straight up in the air, but they can't move. I'd argue that can... netball's got more defense than AFL. It probably does. How, how far back do you have to stay in AFL? 10 meters or something? Something like, you don't even get fucking close to be honest, and you can move around off the mark in AFL as well. Seriously, right now, right? If someone chucked us footy right now, how confident are you you could boot a ball from fifteen meters out between the posts? Yeah, piss, I piss. could do it. Yeah, yeah. And I, I wasn't a great kicker. Nah, like what's
1: what's tough about that? Yeah, I mean I've I've practiced kicking Daryl Halligan's dog. I don't think it'd be too much different. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. He's got a Labrador, you know, it's, it's, it's good work on the old knees. <laughs> that takes work, that
2: does. Work on your follow-through.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Snap your bloody
2: leg off otherwise. Um, There's a good segue there. Mm-hmm. Speaking of snapping your leg off, the Newcastle Knights, man. Wow. They had two players pretty much ruin their legs today. It's terrible to watch. Um, Andrew McCulloch. He did. I don't know if it's come out exactly what he's done yet, but it looks like he's he's done a ter- he's ripped the hamstring off the bone right yeah. up
1: near his butt. That's right. Which is one of the hardest spots to fix. So he's definitely out for the year, mm-hmm. and God knows how long his rehab's going to be. Did when you tear see... a muscle like that, it's going to take a while to rehab from.
2: Did you see the replay of when it happened? Yeah, it was terrible. Yeah. I was worried he dislocated his hip or something. I don't know what it was. He he didn't look very good. And no, you can he... just tell
1: by looking at someone. Mm. Um, you can you can see the concern on their face based on their reaction sometimes.
2: And yeah, he was he was bad. Yeah, there's there's a different look that a player gets when it's like I've got an injury versus oh my god something in my body just broke really badly.
1: Yeah, like you can see the trauma on their face. Yeah, and yeah, you just knew something wasn't right. Yeah, we we saw it the other week when um was it Corey Oates had that leg injury. Yeah, yeah, like he wasn't screaming out in pain. He looked no. down and saw the injury and just fell over and collapsed. Yeah, um, yeah, that was a similar thing for McCulloch, and then um, he came off. And Conor Watson came on to replace him. I think it was, might have been Conor Watson's first or second game back from an ankle injury. And Watson's done,
2: was it the tendon? Yeah, he, he blew out his Achilles tendon. As soon as he did it, I I knew exactly what it was. I've seen a few of those on video. Um, and he basically, he was in at marker. The ball went one way and then went back the other. And he just turned around. He put his leg back and it was the classic, it fell from underneath him and he looked straight back. Because when players do their Achilles, they always say it feel, feel, feels like you're hitting the back of the ankle with something. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, and that's, once again, that's another season-ending injury. So, now they're, I mean, I don't know who the Knights will have playing at hooker. There's suggestions, Kurt Mana'll move in there, but he's played he played really well at 5'8th yesterday.
1: What happened to... Um, Jaden Braley, who they recruited from the Sharks, is he injured as well?
2: I think he's injured too. Yeah, because he was he their first choice the hooker. Um, I'm pretty sure he's out for the season as well. But, but I mean, like there were there were people saying, "Oh, it's a massive blow to Newcastle's title hopes." I don't even ever, ever see them as a title proper title contender. But it's a shame because they were they were very solid. You know, they were playing some solid footy, and it just, man, sometimes, ironically to say now, when it rains, it pours.
1: That's true. Um, to lose two two hookers in one game, though, God damn, that's unlucky.
2: Yeah, very unlucky. Very, very unlucky. And, and three um, for the year. And with injuries like that, like, for both of those injuries for those players are career-changing moments for them. You know, McCulloch is old enough that he might not play footy again. Yeah. And, you know, Watson, I mean, any Achilles injury is, is devastating. It doesn't matter what sport you play. So let's hope they can get back from them all right. There is a solution that might be coming up for the Knights. Yeah.
1: And this is completely unrelated to the actual story at hand.
2: Yeah.
1: Um. So as people might know, with Toronto pulling out of the Super League. Yes. There's a lot of talk at the moment about Sonny Bill Williams coming back to the NRL for one year. Mm -hmm. And Peter Valandis apparently is is going to try and um, manufacture some sort of system whereby players for this year only are going to be able to have a Super League and an NRL contract at the same time. Um, But I think it's only going to be attributed to Toronto players and no one else yeah and that's some sort of thing he's putting in place to allow Sonny B Williams to come over maybe the Knights could look at doing something similar with someone say like Andy Akers from Toronto who's been their hooker this year um because then other than that they're gonna have to put a winger at hooker and
0: mm.
1: I know everyone knows um especially your thoughts on English rugby league players, um, I still think having a young hooker from Super League whose job it is to play hooker is going to be better than having a bit part winger filling in there.
2: It's worth rolling the dice on it at this point for them.
1: Yeah. Um, I, you and, know. and to be honest, even if you paid Andy his full contract that he's playing, you know, getting paid over in the Super League at the moment, mm. it's not going to be huge money. No. But given he's only going to be playing less than half a season, um,
2: I reckon they could get him on the absolute cheap,
1: and yeah, it wouldn't probably.
2: be a bad situation for him. Yeah, it's worth a shot. I got a big problem with this move though, having, you know, ha- having players in the NRL that have two different contracts with two different organisations. I know that Valenti's is saying it's a one-off. But the the fact that it is a one-off, I mean, first of all, we all know what it's like with precedent in rugby league. We saw in the, what was it, the 1995 uh, year where they just decided to throw away the eligibility rules for origin and international footy. And I mean, it took a good, like, nearly 20 years to sort that back out. Yeah. Um. You know, they've been very stern with players that have said, oh, I'd like to go and play for three months in Japan in rugby union and then come back to the NRL before the season starts. And then all of a sudden, this is all right. Like, it, it makes no sense that it should be all right. And, you know, they, remember there was a year that Israel Folau wanted to come back to the Parramatta Eels and the NRL wouldn't allow it because they made they said he the contract he was going to sign was too small.
1: Yeah, he was... Essentially, said no to because yeah, the the contract that Paramount offered him I think it might have been like four or five hundred thousand a year, mm. which was at the time was you know would have made him one of the highest paid wingers in a, in the NRL, mm-hmm. but it would have been paying him about sixty percent of what he was getting paid by uh, Rugby Australia at the time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so they went mm, no, you, you're not going to be paying him enough, and so and this is like less it. than
2: and they get—they get, they said that they were going to allow Sonny Bill Williams to be signed up with, and it's going to be the Roosters, with for less than 10% of what his current deal is with the Toronto yeah. Wolfpack, which is absolutely outrageous. And yeah. is literally, like, and I'm not saying that there's any backroom deal being done by anyone. I'm not even saying that Sonny Bill is not, I mean, Sonny Bill might have said to the Toronto Wolfpack, look, let's put my contract on hold, all right? I live yeah. in I live in this fantasy world where I don't want your five million dollars. <laughs> I just want four hundred thousand dollars to play a quarter of the season, right? So he's yeah. going to turn down what is a four point six million dollars <laughs> up to the, with the Roosters, right? Chicken feed, yeah. Why not? Okay, <laughs> so it, it just is outrageous, and it shouldn't be allowed to happen. We've got a really really good contract system in the NRL. And it shouldn't be played with like that. And look, I'm all for the NRL saying yes. You know, you want to play in the NRL? Yes, you're a superstar that wants to be here. We'll do everything we can to clear the clear the decks for you. But this seems absolutely outrageous to me, and I don't think it should be allowed. And I can't believe that more fans aren't blown up about it. And my my thought is the only reason they're not blown up about it is because Sonny Williams is old and
1: hasn't been playing all that well Mm. so he's not being seen as a direct threat um i think if if this was to go ahead i i'm i'm largely in agreement with you i don't think we should be allowing two contracts to be held at one time no but i think if something like this is to go ahead for this one year only in these really um unique circumstances then it should be only the warriors who are allowed to take advantage
2: of it I'd be happy with that because the Warriors are an extraordinary situation. Um, their depth is being destroyed not only by things like injuries and normal things, but players just giving up, needing to go home for a hug. Yeah.
1: <laughs> exactly. So, I I think that would be the only the only way I'd allow this to go through. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um. So it it's a really interesting one. Um. And we did briefly chat off air about you know how many of these actual players in the Toronto team would come across. And this is not a criticism of the actual players because NRL clubs, especially the ones in Australia, they've got access to an awful lot of depth other than um, the Warriors. Yeah. Most of their depth is over in New Zealand. So they don't really need to – there's no real need for them to fall back
2: on anyone. Even yeah. the Roosters don't need Sonny Bill-Williams. Not really, no. They'd be fine without him. It'd be more difficult, but you know that—that's the game.
1: Yeah. Um, so it's more of a case of I can't see the reason why this should go ahead at all because it's not like there's a massive shortage of rugby league players um, for the majority of clubs in the NRL. The only one mm. that's is short is the Warriors. I mean, we've got two more Par- two Parramatta players are going to yeah spend the rest of the year with the Warriors this year just to help them out. Alvaro
2: and uh, Michael Jennings' brother. Yeah,
1: the other Jennings. No, no, not that one, the other one. Yeah. Yeah, so... And and good on them for doing that. Yeah, yeah. Um, But yeah, that's the only reason why I do this, is to keep the
2: Warriors um, with a
1: decent stock of players and they can keep playing.
2: You know what the Warriors situation has shown? Is that when push comes to shove you can relocate a club really quickly. You can move them anywhere you want them to, and you can throw together a squad super fast. Yeah. Like basically the Warriors have relocated and they're a central coast team right now. Now I know that there's still, there's all the administration and stuff in New Zealand, but that's all just backroom stuff. They're basically playing out of the central coast and, Like, I'm not saying we should move the Warriors. The Warriors, I think, next season, and you brought it up, um, they should play every single game next year in New Zealand. And, And we should have two New Zealand teams, in my opinion. But it just shows you that for all these teams that say, oh, you know, you could never move us and all this stuff, man, they can do it in a week.
1: Yep. And I also think there's more than enough talent to go around to make it happen as well, you know, to bring in another team. So, yeah, yeah. No issue whatsoever. Um, yeah. And so despite that news from the the Knights losing two two hookers in one game, mm-hmm. um, they went on to lose to the last place Bulldogs. And, and their, their coach wasn't happy.
2: No, nah, he blew up. He was disgusted.
1: And that's the sort of attitude that's been missing at Newcastle from coaches for too long.
2: Yeah. And, I, <clears throat> you know, what he's done with the team that Nathan Brown left, and they haven't really added anyone all that great. It's outstanding. You know, it's outstanding what the Knights have done. He was really upset that the fans were sitting there in the rain up there in Newcastle and the Knights lost like that. And they lost legitimately. Like, there was no, there was nothing you could say in that game where the Bulldogs didn't just flat-out win the match. They, they controlled it really well, and they should be really proud of themselves. Steve Georgialis... Uh, gets the win, uh, so he's 50-50 now as the coach of the, the Bulldogs. Um, and, yeah, it, it was a really good win, and it just gets them that little step closer to making sure the Broncos get the wooden spoon, which I love.
1: There's two things I want to bring up out of this too. Yeah. Um, first one is <laughs> I reckon the, the Broncos fans yeah, would give anything to have a coach that would come along, and say to his players what Adam O'Brien said to the Knights players after that game. Yeah. Because he just ripped in and says that's just not fucking good enough. Yeah. Yet Seabold will not go anywhere near using that sort of language publicly towards the Broncos players. Yep. And let's be honest, the Broncos' best performance since the game restarted was far worse than the Knights' performance today, and the Knights had a genuine reason not to win that game. And O'Brien still gave an absolute booffle. That's not good enough, whereas Seabolt's going now softly softly and reminding everyone about how long his contract is,
2: yeah, and uh you know it's it's kind of crazy that you can get such a difference in in attitudes between coaches, you know um I'm just looking for for what Adam O'Brien said here, um, just trying to find the quotes. Uh, I can't find them. All I can find is Steve Giugialis quotes. And good luck to him, too. That's well, a, it's a really impressive win. They're playing better under him, aren't they? Well, this is the thing. I think Dean Payne had them playing with the right attitude.
1: Mm-hmm. And that was, you never, ever, ever give up. Mm-hmm. But that's all he had going for them. Yeah. And to be honest, even when they were losing games, they weren't, they weren't like the Broncos. They weren't letting 40 points in every single time they played. Mm-hmm. They were making a, a challenge out of it, but their attack was insanely
2: pedestrian. Yeah, and yeah, definitely. That looks to have changed a little bit under George Alice. I like that he he's brought Lewis in and he's sticking mm. with him a little bit. That was, that's was that been good to see. Um, I just want yeah. to say, too,
1: I've got a great stat. Yeah, this is um, Stephen George Alice's first win as an NRL coach since August 27, 2011.
2: Wow, that's a long time (laughs) between drinks. (laughs) I was thinking about that today, actually, because they showed him, um, I think it was before the match on Fox Sports, and he's very quietly spoken. I've only ever heard really nice things about him. And uh, I was thinking, man, he's been an assistant coach for a long time now. Yeah.
1: No, it was uh, a long time between drinks. There was another story, too, um, and that is... The Bulldogs are currently in negotiations with um, Kieran Foran, mm-hmm. and Foran has is very much aware that he's taking a pay cut on his next deal. Yeah, and he's not even worried about that because mm-hmm. the the figure that's been put forward as to what the Bulldogs have offered him is around three to four hundred thousand dollars a
2: year, and he's willing to negotiate around that. I'd, I'd three three hundred thousand, I'd I'd be interested in four hundred. I wouldn't. Just because you know, he's so injury prone, you could I, sign him for three hundred and he doesn't play a game for you that's year. I, you know what? Given the Bulldogs rush
1: at the moment,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I even wouldn't be worried signing him for four hundred grand. Okay. I know it is a little bit overs, but if you get him fit for half the season, that's that's pretty good value. Um and his body looks like it's holding up pretty well. He's been targeted a fair bit in in the defence at the moment and mm-hmm. He's not even coming out like, looking like he's somewhat sore at any time. He, he's looking pretty fresh. Mm-hmm. Um, his work in attack is slowly, it's slowly building confidence. It's slowly getting a bit better.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think it's just going to improve as, as the season goes on. But I, I say full credit to him for for being willing to to take that pay cut. I mean, you can afford to given how much money you got for so much <laughs> so little service in the last few years.
2: Yeah, exactly
1: but I think he's a good head to have around.
2: I tell you what, I would not have said it out loud.
1: No. But um yeah, 3 3 to 400k for someone like that when you've got such a young spine at that club. I think that's a I think that's money worth spending. Even if he's injured, he's still going to be around them to help, you know, with training and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um I think that's money worth worth spending a, a freeze up, you know. Yeah.
2: You know, Six seven hundred thousand dollars, you know, they really need Lewis to to make that leap, uh, that's yeah. what it comes down to. And I think, <clears throat> I think Lewis looks to me like he 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 could be a really, really good halfback, but he, he just and th- this is a problem under pay. He really wasn't getting the week in, week out footy that he needed. And I'm hoping that he th- with this week in, week out footy, he at least next year it all starts to click for him a little bit because I really do like a lot of the things about him.
1: I I put him in a similar um, sort of group as Luke Brooks. Mm -hmm. You can see all the potential he's got and the things that he does on the field. Mm -hmm. But the one big criticism I've got of Luke Brooks is a similar one I've got for um, Lewis and that is he never once looks like
2: he commands ownership of the team. Yeah. He looks like he's along for the ride sometimes. Yeah. Um, and, it, and that changes. Like, there was times when um, Cleary looked the same way for the Panthers, where you could see it wasn't his team last year. And then this year, now, it was just undoubtedly his, his team. And, you, I mean, you look at him now, he has, he's got a crazy command of the game. I think he's the best halfback in the, in the world right now. Yeah, I
1: think that came about after the Origin Series last year. Yeah. That's when you first started seeing him at, at the NRL level, looking like um he wanted to run the team. Yeah, yeah. Prior to that, yeah, he was just sort of hoping someone else was going to do all the leadership stuff.
2: Well, it um, was all Maloney. Like, he was along for the ride, and Maloney was the one that was doing it. You know? yeah. And And, look, that's understandable. That's kind of what Maloney's job was there. But it's been... As a Panthers fan, seeing him, especially since coming back from the the break earlier this year and his co and his TikTok ban, um, it's he has been absolutely outstanding. And like, there's if he just if he played like this for the rest of his career, wow, what a career he's going to have! And the crazy thing is, he's probably going to get better. I wonder
1: if the um the bullshit and the fallout from that TikTok crap is something that made him realize he needed to pull his fucking head
2: in a bit too. Yeah, I don't know. I mean... He's been faultless. He really has. Since he's he come been, back from that. He's been incredible. There was a kick he put in today. The Panthers didn't make up a, a great deal of room um, out of their own end. And he kicked a ball. like He must have gone like 70 meters. And it just sailed over the fullback's head and it just it changed the game. It just turned it all around. Um, and the thing that I've really been impressed with is even when the Panthers aren't playing all that great, and there's been times where they haven't played great, he, he still looks the goods. It's not be, They're not playing poorly because of him. It's normally other things in the team. Yeah. And, and yeah, I, I'm so excited as a Panthers fan right now. We're sitting top of the ladder. That was a game we normally would have lost last year and we won it we we're grinding teams out we've only lost one game all year we draw we've drawn another one it's the best start that we've ever had as a club and I think I said to you a few weeks ago now in that Parramatta game that they lost that's the first time I've seen something out of the Panthers where I was like oh this feels 2003-ish and I still feel that way when I watch them
1: yeah very much so um Got the talent on that back line.
2: Going oh, over it's about that. Crichton is Crichton is incredible. Absolutely incredible. He could be the best center in the world this time next year. And it not even be a question. Like that's how good he's playing. Um and they, they did that with that kick out. Yeah, that was the thing too.
1: It their attack was uh, it was a bit clunky tonight. Mm. And that came through to because the Titans' defense, um, man, they stood up yeah. so good. That second half, their defense was fucking rock solid. Um, and so it, it, it made me wonder how Penrith were going to attack if they did if they had to go a few games or a few weeks without kicking out on the side because there were times when um, the Gold Coast defense wasn't doing anything special. Mm-hmm. It was just working as a really good unit together. Yeah, and the Panthers were unable to get them to. They were unable to break up that defensive line some of the times. Yeah, and they tried a lot of different things, which is good. Most teams when they get like that, they just play this. They just run the same play over and over again until hopefully yeah. it works. Yeah, the Panthers were trying a fair bit at them. They just couldn't crack them. And, and I think. So I was going. just going, and I think um, that's something that it's good to have someone like kick out there because you can just throw in the ball and just let him do some X, X factor bullshit. And, you know, <laughs> magic happens and he scores a try and it's enough to break a game
2: open. But without him there, it got a bit harder to do. Yeah. And look, that's the thing about the Panthers. If they If their attack starts to click, like right now, I feel like the Panthers are the best team in the comp, but it's pretty close. But if their attack starts to click, I don't think it's even close. Um, and, and you look at their back line, like Aitken's come in uh, this week at fullback and he played really, really well. He, like you've, And you've said for a long time he should be their fullback. Um, and I think he finally showed what he can do as a fullback in this game. Played really great. Um, Naden and Crichton are just nightmares out wide, but they're super young. Uh, you know, Watini's a Lesniak. He played really well coming into the first grade team. Luai, Luai goes from being a little bit quiet at times to doing things where you're like, oh, that's why he's in the side because he can come up with something. But there's so many good young players in this team and they're mostly in the back line. And you can see them growing every week. You can see every so often, like there was a there was a run that Naden did today where he just rampaged. They couldn't stop him. And it was like, oh man, when when these dudes... Start getting stronger, getting seasoned, getting experienced. They're going to be ridiculously good, but they've just got to get through these growing pains right now. And I think the growing pains are that they do, they can be stuffed. It, you know, especially when you get down to the to the try line and they go a little bit too much side side. They don't throw in too much variation to the opposition team. I think that hurts them.
1: That's. I think that side to side thing close to the line is very much an Ivan Cleary thing. Yeah, um, he used to. Do, you know, the Tigers were doing that an awful lot when he was there as well as coach.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and that's that's what makes Kiki so good is that he just runs straight. Yeah, and I think they need someone similar to that out on the other side of the field. If you've got two straight runners out there, you know, sitting three three in from the sideline, mm. that changes the dynamic because otherwise as we saw today with the Titans, you've just got to be able to slide left to right, and you can pretty much keep most of the, uh, the attacking plays out.
2: Yeah, I think that's why I would like to see Kikau move more into the middle of the field, and I understand why they, can, they put him out wide, because against outside backs, yeah, the outside them. backs have no Yeah, they've got no chance. Like three and four of them have no chance. But I think that they could play him closer to the middle of the field when they're attacking a try line. And they can make that middle of the field defense compress, trying to stop him, and then that's going to open it up for the likes of Crichton and Naden to use their their power and footwork out wide and and I think that that would serve the Panthers more than using kick out not only as a decoy, which they do more times than not, but then having him you know, then then having the opposition team scramble to stop it getting to him. I think it's better off just. You know, having him power through the middle of the field, and and that will naturally open something up out wide for everyone else. But it's, you know, that comes down to coaching, and, you know, hopefully we see that eventually. I think Kickout's ready for that move, but it, for I, I'm not going to criticise most of the other Panthers players just because they're so young. And yeah, I
1: they're still can't like, criticise them. They're, they're playing pretty good footy at the moment, and you know as it is with any young team. Um, you know, we're seeing it with some of the Tigers players well at the moment in the forwards there, when they're playing well, their confidence is up. They look like absolute world beaters. Mm-hmm. It's the, the issue for a lot of coaches is when those young guys, which we're also seeing at the Broncos, they have a few losses in a row and they drop mm-hmm. their bundle a bit. Yeah. And it's getting them motivated and get them back up to get that confidence back, to get those wins
2: back, to get the momentum back. Um, that's what's so scary about this Panthers season right now is that the young guys that are there, they're not, you know, they're not racking up fifty points every week. So it's not like they're just playing Harlem Globetrotter footy and and they're just blowing teams away. They're learning is their first first grade experience how to grind away wins, how to stick in there for eighty minutes, how to not give up, and this is their normal. And on top of that, they're so talented. And I, like, I I look at someone like Stephen Crichton, who has the world at his feet as a footy player. And all he knows as a footy player is this sort of, like, determination and don't give up and stuff. And it's, I mean, it is building to something really nice for the Panthers. And, I, like, I don't want to keep on stressing that. But I, as a Panthers fan, I am super excited. And it's... You know, I got my premiership in two thousand and three, so I, I don't have that longing for a premiership. But so I can just enjoy this ride, and I I'm loving it. It's so exciting.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm not too sure if I'm. I'm willing to say that Penrith are a title contender this year, mm-hmm. only because they're so young. Yeah, but yeah, um, because they're so young, so much know, yeah. Almost all of their squad is under the age of 26. It's crazy. It's ridiculous. Yeah, they've only they, got they'll... Tamo, Faro, Mansor are uh, the only players in their 30s. And you know, Tamo's 31. He's the oldest. Mm-hmm. Faro Mansor's 30. Tedivano's 29. And Coruscant and Capal are both 27. Next mm-hmm. oldest after that is Isa Yeo, who's 25, and Kikao's 25. Yeah, you know, it's insane. And to me. That's that means you've got a roster that's going to be genuine heavyweights for three or four years,
2: yeah, and, <laughs> and, and, and even like, more. And Cleary, who at, like he could be, he could if he doesn't get any better than he is today, and he plays this football for like fifteen years. He's he's twenty two. That's crazy. <laughs> It's crazy, and his defense is so good. Like you yeah, don't have to worry that's, about him defensively. That
1: he's has sad- come along so well this year. His defense,
2: it, it really has. And like the thing of, like this is a, a young dude that has grown up in this environment. He's not phased by anything. No, he's he's so good.
1: Um. Yeah. So with the uh, the win that the Bulldogs had on the weekend. Mm-hmm. If yeah, Essentially, if the Broncos keep losing games and the Bulldogs get another win, the Broncos are going to be last on the ladder because and, the points difference yeah. for the two is quite dramatic. The Bulldogs are minus 120. The Broncos are minus 195. They've got the worst points difference.
2: Yeah, and I mean, it's weird because the Broncos are so much more talented than the Bulldogs. But if if I had to put my money on which team will win more games going forward, I think it would have to be the Bulldogs. If yeah, Broncos, they're, they're
1: playing like a team that's being coached by a bloke who is lost. Yeah. But he's confused. He's just yep. guessing.
2: Yeah, and I mean, like even last week, they shuffled everyone around again. Um, to, and again, the, to no avail. To, yeah, and to know, like, you don't look at it and go, "Oh, I see, I see why he's doing that." Like, putting Milford to fullback, it was simply to hope that he something happens. It wasn't yeah. because that you were like, it, it wasn't because you were there was something that it was like, "Oh yeah, fullback," because he did that last year and it didn't work either. That's right. Last year, you know, it, it, there's a lot of it. Really, is it's a clueless coach and. You know, I feel sorry for the Broncos players. That is a dream job. Someone's going to get that job, and they're going to clear out some of the old players that they don't need, and they are going to turn that Broncos team to something special. If those Broncos players hang around,
1: I guess the big concern for the club at the moment is now that they've they've not been able to compete with the Gold Coast Titans for the mm. the signature of David Fafida. Yeah, how many more Broncos players might follow him?
2: Yeah, and. Part of me wonders if, and they've got like Pangai Jr., Payne Haas, um, Offen Gowie. They're three of their forwards that are just amazing. There's another young bloke. What's his name? Uh, let me see if I can find Is that, him.
1: Um, Carrigan?
2: Yes, yes. Yeah, he's very good. He's very, very good. Now, <clears throat> I part of me wonders if you can't carry them all. They're all great players, but I feel like you might have Two sets of front rowers in there, you know, and and you just can't carry them all.
1: Yeah, I don't know what they're going to do.
2: Um, they've got to make a decision on Darius Boyd. He needs to stop playing. And, and this isn't against Darius Boyd. He deserves every cent. He deserves oh, every last cent of his contract. But for the team, they need to go in a different direction and they need to try something different. And that needs to be the end for Darius Boyd. I would say the same thing for Ben Teo. What are they doing? Like, who are they trying to save having Ben Teo out there? It's just time for Ben Teo to be put out to pasture like he should have been. And Darius Boyd, you know, they need to look towards the long-term future. And that's the problem with them not sacking the coach right now, is that they're kind of treading water. And there's got to be, you know, these professional footy players, they know what's happening. Yeah. Um,
1: I think Seabold needs to come to a decision this week, and that is either he plays Darius Boyd at fullback or he doesn't play Darius Boyd at all because he put a five-eighth at fullback last week. And, you know, same result, nothing changed. Yeah. I think we've seen enough of the Darius Boyd at centre exercise to know that that is not a good idea. Yeah, he's not. He doesn't have the lateral movement to be a the defender there anymore. He may have been in the past, not anymore. No. And I honestly think the only position he can play these days is on the wing. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You know, you've only got to move in one direction. That's to shut down an opposition player coming at you because you've got the sideline on the other side protecting you. Mm-hmm. So that's where you would put Darius Boyd if he has to be
2: in the NRL side every week. And that's the thing, he doesn't have to be. No. And yet it's a it's a rotten amount of salary to chew up every week that's watching from the stands. But what are they what, what are they doing? trying to win? They're not winning. Try something no. different. And, and Billy Slater actually said he should go back to fullback.
1: Yeah, and look, my my reason for su- for suggesting that is fullback is a position where you need to have players there who know what they're doing. hmm And Boyd knows how to play a fullback. Mm-hmm. Whether he's capable of playing, it's a different matter. But you need to have someone there who who plays it and knows the role, knows what you know positioning, knows what to do. Yeah, and that was never an issue with Darius Boyd when he was at fullback. Um, his positional play was still fine. What was what was missing was his defensive ability because that was the one thing that he, that always made him stand out from other fullbacks was that he was rock solid in defence, and that started to disappear in his game. Yeah. Which is why moving him to centre was a stupid idea, because at fullback, you might make two or three tackles a game, but at centre, you're going to be making 20-odd. Yeah. Why would you move someone whose defence, when they're only going to make two or three tackles a game, is waning into a position where they're going to make (laughs) 20 tackles a game? It just made no sense, and it's it's done nothing for the side.
2: Yeah, and having Milford... Milford hardly run the ball in their last game, playing at fullback. And... Like I can understand Milford's on a lot of money and and so there's going to be criticism that comes for that. And if if ever he feels like, you know, he's been hard done by, you go and lie in your bed full of money. But I just think that there's so many problems in that team. There's 10 million bucks worth of talent that they run out there and none of it's working. So I find it hard to, to criticize any one player. I mean, you can... You could criticise all of their players. That's why they're so bad this season. Even Payne yeah. Haas, you know. It's been times where Payne Haas hasn't played his best footy. So, and I think it just comes down to coaching. I really do. I think that a really good coach, you get them in there. That Broncos team's at a seventh-place team. Easy. And I, I put out some stats on Twitter during the week, and I was looking
1: at how the Broncos, um, statistically, in a lot of different areas, yeah, have not just gone backwards, but they've plummeted down the list when it comes to things like post contact meters, um, triassis, all this sort of stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. And it
1: just shows that the coach is not coaching attacking plays anymore. Yeah, he's not coaching an effective defensive structure because they're leaking points like crazy. Yeah, they're turning the ball over so much. He needs to get back to just doing basic things. Okay, he's got to admit right now and face the fact that the Broncos are going to be pretty close to getting the wooden spoon this year. Mm -hmm. So how's about I just work on getting a few things sorted out right this year off and try and fix some things in the next nine weeks, and that is part part one. Let's get the defense working. Stop stop teams considering scoring
2: more than 20 points against us on a regular
1: basis. Yep. Don't care if we lose, just keep them
2: to 20 or less. And I think that – and I I hate using – you know, the fluffy words are always used. But that's about having desire and defense. That's about getting up quickly. Uh, the, on the On the technical side of things, I do worry about the lateral movement of some of their bigger forwards. And that's why I think that maybe the structure of their forward pack isn't ideal for them. Um, I, I feel like they need a, a couple of just mobile second rollers. Not even great footy players, just mobile tackling machines. That, uh, you know, their footwork, that they don't get, you know, caught out in defense. Because I think that the Broncos have been caught in a thing of, like, they've had all of these really good, young, giant forwards. And you think, put them out there, and and who's going to stop us? But sometimes it just doesn't work. And I, I think that they've fallen into that trap where it, it hasn't worked. I think it would be smart for them to, and I don't know how you could do it without, causing a lot of problems but i think it would be smart for them to to get someone like a pangai jr and i'd love pangai jr but get someone like him and ask other clubs would they do a swap with him and another good player you know and i don't even have anyone in mind but did they just need a couple of mobile second rollers, and they'd be and it'd help them so much in my opinion
1: yeah they've They've got so much to fix up, and the only way you're going to do this is they need to start being competitive because yeah. um, right now the their defense is god-awful atrocious.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean,
1: the Bulldogs, who are last and have lost one game more, have conceded 254 points this year, which is 113 points less than what the Broncos have conceded. That's crazy. That's insane. That is really crazy. That that's just that is all level of wrong, and that's that right there is a lack of commitment and a lack of technical know how by the Broncos defense. Yeah, the Melbourne Storm on the week uh, on on the weekend played pretty average footy once mm-hmm. again. They did it the week before against the Titans, and they they played the Broncos this week. Didn't play that good
2: either, and still put forty eight points on. Yeah, and there was a good. I mean, there was a good, probably fifteen to twenty minutes there in the first half, where things were going the Broncos' way. The Storm were making some terrible errors, like dropping the ball again and again and again. Craig yeah. Bellamy must have almost, you know, destroyed the eardrums of everyone that was in room with him in the coaching box. But they still managed to put up forty-eight points, and they did it as you say. It wasn't like they were playing a typical Storm Rampage and you can't stop them game, they kind of just ambled their way to 48 points. It was a training run. Yeah.
1: That's what the Brocos are now. They're just a training run. And they've got to stop thinking about how to score points. They have got to they, they need to focus on stopping points being scored. Mm. I mean, the Bulldogs are a classic example. Their defence has always been pretty damn good for, for what they've got talent-wise, even last year. Oh, yeah. That if they come up against a team that struggles when when a, you, know, you come up against a good defensive here like that, they'll make mistakes. and The Bulldogs are able to do just enough in attack to get the odd win and take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. The Broncos have far more talent attacking-wise than the teams in the, you know, in the bottom seven, at least, who they're competing with. Yeah. To be able to take advantage of those moments if their defense is aiming up and doing their job. And at the moment, it's just
2: not. Well, like looking at the ladder, they've got the Broncos have more talent than the, the Bulldogs. I'm willing to say they got more talent than the Titans. I think they've got more talent than the Warriors, although the Warriors do have RTS. Um, I think overall they've got more talent than the Cowboys, but the Cowboys have Tom I, I I like them better overall than the Dragons, but damn, the Dragons are a bloody good team on paper. On paper, brilliant side on paper. Yeah, but. As as they play right now, I mean it's they're very much like the Broncos, mm. um, and then you start getting into the Rabbitohs and West Tigers where it starts getting a bit a bit iffy, you know. Um, but yeah, it's look the Sharks are in seventh place. I think the Broncos have more talent than the Sharks by a long way.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't argue with that at all. And this is the thing: is on paper they've got a damn good side, and this is what separates, you know. Nowadays, comp, this is what separates good coaching from bad coaching, is that you can get a a roster as good as what the Broncos and the Dragons have got, but because the coaching is not so good, they're sitting there in the bottom eight. Yeah. And you look at the West Tigers, who don't actually have that fantastic of a roster, and yet, you know, they're sitting there competing for a spot in the top eight. You look at the Sharks, who don't have a, a great roster either at the moment, and they're in the top eight. And I can't believe that there's talk that John Morris could be losing his job. And yet the Dragons and the Broncos aren't even sitting there considering about getting rid of their coach.
2: Yeah, it's kind of crazy, <laughs> hey? I mean, like, and look, the Sharks are winning some rotten games. I've had Sharks fans that have been really upset with me because they think Sean Johnson's playing well this season and I'm here to tell you he's not. I don't think he's playing well at all. We saw him strutting around after he won that game against the Warriors the other week, which was just fucking embarrassing. Um, they're, they're winning games against some pretty poor teams, but they're there. You know, you can't take it away from them. They're in seventh place. They're above the Manly Seagulls. I think the Seagulls are a much better team than Sharks, but it doesn't matter if they're, they're still there in seventh place. And uh, Sharks, second best attacking team in the comp. Yeah. You know, we played some bludger teams, so
1: they they may have done.
2: They're on the bludger They're on the the bludger walk of fame at the moment.
1: But a lot of teams have played those sides as well, and haven't scored as many points as the sharks have. And that's this true. Is the thing, okay, the sharks under Shane Flanagan were clueless when it came to scoring points. Yeah, like getting to eighteen points in a game was an absolute friggin' fluke for the sharks. Sometimes
2: Paul but Gallen they'd... was their halfback.
1: Yeah, <laughs> well that's true. But you know they would. They'd still win a lot of games. It would be like 16-12, 14-12, that sort of thing. Yeah. Every win was a grind. It was boring. This Sharks team knows how to score points, mm-hmm. and lots of them. And sure, they might be up against bad opposition, but you know what? You've got to beat them. Yeah. And too often in the past, the Sharks have lost to those teams. They've got an atrocious record against the Titans and at a time when the Sharks were regular finalists and the Titans were regular spooners. Mm-hmm. So... Now putting those points on there, and that comes down to the good coaching that um John Morris has done. I mean, I don't think Sean Johnson's been as great as a lot of fans think he has been. I also don't think he's been that bad. I think he's just pretty much where he's capable of playing.
2: I I think for the most part this season he's been absolutely atrocious devastatingly bad and I actually whenever I've said that it's funny because I've had a lot of Warriors fans agree with me you know what's what's funny though the Sharks play the Broncos this weekend
1: yeah and it's this is the thing okay in the past this has been one of those games where on paper you look at the the form and you go well Sharks should win and then the Sharks would lose the game
0: Mm
1: -hmm. that's going to be the the hurdle the Sharks are going to try and overcome they've done it once already this year the when they come up against the Titans. They should have, you know, on paper, they're going to always beat the Titans, but they still go into the game going,
2: oh, you know, the Titans might get them here. It's and interesting how it's... teams have, the, have those teams that it's like, oh, this is that game that they're going to drop.
1: Yeah. Tigers and Titans is a classic one. Tigers yep. will always lose to the Titans when the Tigers are going
2: well. You know, <laughs> the the Panthers are playing the Seagulls this week. At the, I believe the Panthers all-time record for biggest win is against the Seagulls from memory. Um but this would normally be a game that I'd go into and think, you know what? Season's gone great, but and we should beat the Seagulls, really should, but I think that the Seagulls will win. But and, and that's why if they win this one, it's like, "Oh man, what's going on here?" Yeah. This
1: is I think this is going to be the big test for for Penrith, the first big one anyway, coming into the finals run. Yeah, it's Manly's just a tricky side. Even with they're even trickier when when Tom Trebouvidis isn't playing because you
2: you don't really get a proper handle on what their forms like. Yeah, you don't know. Like I feel like when he plays, you're like, okay, they're going to be this good. We got to expect this. When he doesn't play, you're like, okay, well they're missing that great player. They should be easier to beat, but then they'll go out and still beat you. Yeah, like they,
1: they had forty points put on them by Cronulla the week after they beat Canberra. Mm. They then lost to Newcastle. They then got flogged by a woeful dragon side, and then beat Parramatta. Yeah, and so that's what they're going to be. You're not going to you're not going to know what they're going to do at the moment. So, um, and Manly
2: are more than capable of beating Penrith.
1: They've yeah, got the cattle I, I to agree. do it. I and agree.
2: I look. I think Manly on their day can beat like they've, we've seen they've beaten the Eels. i think they can beat the panthers the storm and the roosters and the raiders and the sharks and the knights i think they can beat all them teams on their day but the problem is like i mean i bet on them a couple of weeks ago it was that you know that game that Daly cherry evans mm-hmm. and he had a bludgeon he had the worst game of his career and if the, and yeah i talked about it if they had a one i would have got like
1: that was against Just, the Dragons.
2: Yeah, two and a half thousand bucks or something. I dipped all the winners. <laughs> and that was the last
1: game. <laughs> so, yeah, it's an uh, interesting week. I think, going forward, I think Broncos need to sack Seabold. Yep. Who do you bring in? Um, well, I suppose a lot of talk's going to be around Paul Green going there. I don't think he's the right man for the job, to be honest.
2: Uh, I, I agree.
1: I'd probably, of what's available, I'd probably want to get Griffin
2: back there. I would want Jeff
1: toby no. Yeah, I know. I don't think they're going to want... I don't think they're going to want Jeff Toovey there. Roger, at the same time, I don't think they're going to want to go back to Anthony Griffin either, but he's possibly the best option they've got available because he wasn't doing bad there.
2: No, I, that'd be such a poor White move as well. Hmm. Which is he's the pro, he's he needs to go as well. well there is it. talk
1: that Paul White's going to be ending his tenure there at the end of the year, and he might be getting replaced by Ben
0: Eichen.
2: No, no, are you serious? Where mm-hmm. who reported that?
1: Oh, I've been it's been in the in the news in the rumours section for about two or three years. Ben Eichen's going to become the new Broncos CEO. No way.
2: No yeah, it's
1: way. one of those it's one of those underlying stories that's always there.
2: What's he ever run?
1: NRL three hundred
2: and sixty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I've got nothing against Ben Ikon, but I want a businessman in charge of it all. Wow, well, we've seen how that's gone with Paul White. There, <laughs> maybe they do need someone from NRL three hundred and sixty on there. <laughs> maybe they need to fucking find Tommy. Well, what's Tommy up to these days? We'd offer him a offer him like three cartons of Winnie Reds. He'd do it.
1: <laughs> uh, I don't know. They they need something. That that's a club that needs a clean out from the top, yeah. Not not from the playing, but from the actual management of the club.
2: One hundred percent.
1: CEOs and stuff like that. Board members. Um, sorry, Lockyer, but you got to go, man.
2: It's no good having a figurehead as a board member. I don't think. No. Because because what are they? Who are they a figurehead for? Like when you sit down in a boardroom with a bunch of successful people the dumbest person in the room is a footy player, I'm sorry to say. And they, so the, the people in the boardroom aren't impressed and having that board member for the rest of everyone else, it does nothing.
1: Yeah. I, I don't know why they put Lockyer in a position like that purely. and not, it's, this is not a criticism of Lockyer and, no. um, and who he is, but it's just the fact that he had no experience coming into that role. And he, mm-hmm. apparently from what, yeah, you know, a lot of sources say he had a pretty major role in getting
2: Seabolt to the club. See, if if you want a player like that around your club, I don't. I don't even make them a um party. Your. Uh... Your coaching staff. I find some sort of other position for them, and it can't be like a mentor role because as soon as you hear mentor, you're like, well, they're a hanger on, right?
1: Yeah, it, just it, make it, you, ambassador ha- or something like that.
2: Yeah, it has to be some other role where that you never see them in training gear, but they're there and they can talk to players. A place can approach them and stuff like that, and they can be maybe a go between between the board and the CEO and the playing staff. Um, kind of like a mentor. <laughs> yeah, but you can't call him a mentor. Because no. if somebody says, to, someone comes up to me and says, this is, you know, this is Andrew Ferguson and he's our mentor around here. The first thing I think is, "This fucking wanker. I'm not talking to him. Fucking mentor. Go, go for your fucking narc. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, plenty of people say about me. I'm not even a mentor.
2: You, you, de- you are definitely not a narc. You're rock solid.
1: <laughs> a rock solid narc. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that was um. Just just like most of our episodes, we come out. and We say, oh, we'll just do a quick twenty minute job. Yeah, yeah. We we've, we've shut on that.
2: Um, have we had any emails that are something yeah. we could we could chew into now? We've had a couple. We've had, yeah. first of all, we've won, had one by PK. PK, I'm just going to put this on as an article, okay, on my website. Um, it, it's gigantic. It's fantastic. It is comprehensive. I like it. PK gonna... isn't Paul Kent by chance, is he? No, no, he's not. He's, I can read what he's saying. He's not, <sighs> there's not lots of arms and R's in there and stuff like that. He doesn't seem to be angry. He doesn't seem to be resentful of other people's successes. So it's definitely not Paul Kent. It's sweet, pe- sweet. Pe- That's pe- good. Up. That's good. So uh, anyway. apologies,
1: PK, for any uh offense that may have caused that comment. Yeah. Well none was none was intended, but I just wanted to clarify things. <laughs> okay, so we
2: have we have one by our good friend T B O Mars, and he's he has two of them for us. They're both short and sweet, very good. He says, Hey boys, how are we? I'm good, good. how are you? Yeah. Yeah. We just uh, was just messaging to comment on the Nick Kotrick thing you said here that he signed for six hundred thousand, not close. Uh, he signed for six hundred thousand, not close to a million bucks. Um, and they'll be he'll be playing centre with D W Z, and D W Z will be staying on the wing. Meany will be our fullback, and most dogs want to retain foreign for three to four hundred thousand for one season, and bring in a Blake Green to help steer the ship. I, he says a Blake Green. I don't think he means a the Blake Green. No,
1: no, I, I don't even want a Blake Green. If I'm going to spend money on a halfback, who's yeah. going to be yeah three or four k, I'd rather just keep four and at least he's got a bit of attacking idea of what he's doing. Yeah, not know Blake Green is just pedestrian in attack. Yeah, but, but at I'm least not saying I'm just Blake Green, shit. but you know a Blake Green type player. I mean they're just you know, that's that's someone like Chad Townsend as well. You know they're just they don't offer anything in attack. They're not a threat. I Whereas, don't think. Any-
2: I don't think anyone's gotten worse in the off season more than Chad Townsend.
1: He's, and you know what, I know you were criticizing Sean Johnson before. I think Townsend is the worst half the Sharks have got at the moment. Yeah, 100%. I okay. would be picking Sean Johnson every week before I pick Chad Townsend again. Yep. Okay. Um, yeah, and that's the thing, I, Townsend's defense has fallen off a cliff. It's been horrible. Yeah, the reading, of, reading of, def, of opposition attacks has been woeful. Mm-hmm. Um, it it has improved the last few weeks I think you had know, an absolute shocker back when they played Penrith mm-hmm. um, he was guessing he'd come running out of the line on one play and not get to the not get to the ball carrier in time and just create a massive gap create massive overlaps and other times he'd stay back for too long and they'd just target him and run over him and score and he was just guessing um, it hasn't been so bad the last you know last week but still you don't pick him for the for the defence either and his attack hasn't done much. I mean, people mocked the fact that he's got bugger or tris for a half back. Yeah. That's not good.
2: No, that's bad. That is bad. Um he's anyway, so T B Omar says we need a class nine. I agree one hundred percent there. Mm-hmm. And reckon we should go after Starling from the Raiders. The kid has something and he's off contract thoughts.
1: Yeah, Starling is a good player. Um yeah,
0: I don't,
2: I don't know who else they could really go
1: after, I guess. There's not too many nines around, really, to be honest.
2: Unless you're the Melbourne Storm and you're fucking...
1: <laughs> stop that's following. true. If
2: you're Melbourne Storm,
1: um, that's an idea for them, you know. This is an issue the Storm's going to have. Mm. If Cameron Smith decides to play on for another year, mm. they get Harry Grant back again next year. So they're going to have two test hookers in Brandon Smith and Cameron Smith at the club, and then Harry, Harry Grant, who... I mean, he's widely been pushed to to be the, the Maroons' hooker this year.
2: Yeah. And rightfully I, so. I,
1: the kids I playing absolute
2: great footy. I tend to think that in a very storm thing to happen, they've been blessed by the fact that Brandon Smith, Craig Bellamy, can go up to him and say, hey, you want to play prop? And he's like, oh, yeah, get me in there. Yeah. And it, or, do you want to play in the back row? Do you want to play off the bench? He just is a footy nut will play anywhere and doesn't care where it is and i think that they've been blessed by that i also think that the thing that they've got with smith brandon smith and uh, harry grant is you cannot watch cameron smith play and be in anything other than reverence for him if you're a, a hooker like there's just not one chink in his armor where you say Oh yeah, that should be my role, you know. That oh, he's you know he's slow, he's not good, he's not sharp, because he's just uh, he's like playing as good as he's ever played.
1: Yeah, the problem that Storm are going to have though is they're going to try and fit three players and into essentially two roles, and that's going to be one on the starting starting nine jumper and one on the bench.
0: I and wonder if
1: all Sorry. three deserve to be in the NRL side. Mm, yeah. Um, and Grant said that he's going to honour his contract with the Storm, which I think he's got two more years there. Wow. Um, Brandon Smith apparently is talking about he wants to be the nine at the yeah. Storm. Yeah. Um, so even if Cameron Smith retires, they're still going to try and fit two players into one role. And they're both 80-minute players. So you're not going to be able to carry one on the bench. So if I'm the Bulldogs, I talk to Brandon Smith yeah. and I say, we'll give you a starting job here in the nine jumper. Hell, you can even be club captain if you want.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. I, I think any team that isn't in the year of both Smith and uh, Harry Grant, I, I I think they've been silly. Like, I mean, how many times have we sat here and said, oh, Brendan Smith would be perfect for that team? Yeah, and Brendan Smith
1: is a genuine competitor. I think he's going to be one of those few Melbourne Storm players who could leave the Storm um, system and still be an absolute all-star player. Mm. Um, and he's the sort of competitor that the Bulldogs need uh, in their forward pack, in their spine. And he's got youth on his side. Um, I can't see the Melbourne Storm getting rid of Harry Grant. They they fought so hard to, to get him and keep him there and get him on a contract. Yeah. And they made sure that he wasn't going to leave this club even under this loan deal. Yeah, there's, I mean, we're all, there's been we're an now why. beyond for him. Mm, and we're all seeing now why. mm um, so I don't think they've got any intention of letting Harry Grant go. I think they see him as their long term Cameron Smith replacement, which just means Brendan Smith's on on the outer as far as the full time nine gig goes. So that's why the Bulldogs I think should go after him.
2: Yeah, I, I wonder I wonder how and I I don't know anything about his junior football, but I wonder if Harry Grant could play half back.
1: With his attacking style, absolutely. He he played all his junior footy, I believe, up in Queensland.
2: Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be surprised
1: if he played some halfback.
2: Like he seems like he's got the skill set that he could, if he, if, like, you give him a season there, especially at the Storm, and in a like you know in a year from now we're like wow this we just we just turned out the best halfback that Queensland's had for a long time. Fuck. Um, but I. I wonder if there is a solution there because if, say, you go to Harry Grant and you say, look, you're not playing hooker as much as you want to. You've got two years here. Let us turn you into a halfback and you're not going to like it at first. But if this work best case scenario, it works and you go from being able to command, you know, at most seven hundred, eight hundred thousand dollars $800,000 as the best hooker in the game one day to possibly over a million bucks as a very good halfback or you just go to a different club and play hooker again. Yeah. I mean, it's... the storm of that sort of... I would say most teams, I'd say, fuck off. They they can't do that. The storm, I'd say, oh yeah, they can... I mean, they've got Jerome Hughes playing in the halves. You know, they can do a lot with with not much.
1: I think they'd be. I wouldn't be surprised if the Storm were open to letting Brandon Smith go if it meant they got Harry Grant on a long-term deal. Yeah. Because let's be honest, if Cameron Smith does play on, it, it's only going to be for one more year. You reckon? Yeah.
0: I
2: I think and it's, it's, not, happen- it's
1: not and it's not because of his form. I think yeah. he's just going to go. Yeah, you know what? I'm pretty much done now. Because
2: I, I don't. At, the end of,
1: at the end of next year, he'll hit 450 first-grade games. Yeah. I don't think he'd want to go any further than that.
2: I think he is a footy head, and I think that it will be a case of eventually his body is going to just let him down eventually. It's got to. But I look at him now, and I'm not seeing any physical drop-off from him. He's kind of like Vince Carter. A little bit, yeah. Could just keep going. It's insane. Like, like, this is a dude, we're talking about playing 450 first-grade games. Yeah. That's insane.
1: It's, it's legitimately around the corner. It's not. It's not going to take that long for him to get there.
2: Yeah, that's like three really bloody good long careers. Yeah, that's more ins- more wins than the fucking New Zealand Warriors have in their history. <laughs> it's absurd. It really is. So yeah, that's uh, that's a good chat. That one. Yeah. Um. So he's ne- his second one. <laughs> What's he got? Second one. Um. Also, boys. Uh. You were questioning the decision to let Pay go, but the boys game in the last two weeks has lifted, that's true. Last week was our highest score in like twelve months, and we got a win today against the Knights. Pay is a great guy, but his game plan was poor and his team list was poor. Always playing people out of position. Look how good mean he went at fullback and our pack is above average but could never show it due to Pay favoring. His favourite getting selected. Um, and then he, he lists a team. Napa, Tolman, Thompson, Jackson, uh, Fatili, Marinar, Sue, Ogden, Tomo, Tomoga. And then he says, it is really, really solid forward pack. Just need a few key players and positions. And, and this team would be a top eight side. You might take the piss out of that, but that's how I see it. Hashtag dogs of war.
1: Yeah, but this is the thing that is being forgotten: is the dogs of war mentality only came back once Pay got into into the coaching role there, and that dogs dogs of war thing was all about gr- you know, grinding teams down and making sure they they had to work their ass off to get the win. Yeah, and that's a mentality that Dean Pay brought back to the club. Yeah, um, I agree with the other stuff about the the team selections and the the uh, gameplay stuff like that. He was. He, I don't think he was ever put in place there to be a long-term option at the club. I'm just, I'm just opposed to the idea of sacking him because they weren't performing. I don't think there's too many coaches that would have got them performing insanely much better than what he was doing.
2: Mm-hmm. And See, so, I, I, I agree. It's it feels to me like I wonder if if Dean Pay could have his time over again. I feel like there was probably a thought within his head of being a little bit more conservative, seeing what he's got, trying plays in different positions, because in his mind, he's there for the long term. And that's what everyone at the club said to him when he got the contract there. That's why he took the contract. Yeah. And I I think if he had have known he was only going to be there for a short amount of time, whether he would have done things very, very differently. Of course. Yeah.
1: And now he's going to have the um, the horrible thing over his on his resume of being replaced by Trent Barrett. Yeah, poor bloke. That's, that's just cruel. That is. Yeah. So, uh, condolences to
2: Pay and his family
0: for
2: that. <laughs> <one>. <laughs> and PK, you're, you're a, I'll put your article up. Uh, well, you, when you're reading this, you'll probably know the articles up. Yeah.
1: Ah, no, thanks for this, PK. Awesome emails. Oh well, that was TB Omar's. Oh, TB
2: Omars, you too, yeah, yeah. TB Omar, oh, fantastic, son. great, great follower of mine. Fantastic, good content producer. He really is. He really is one of the best. <laughs> That's what he is.
1: Um, we we could be nasty nice and call you a journalist, but you know we won't go there.
2: No, I would never. I wouldn't ever call TB Omar a journalist. No way. <laughs> Somebody called me a journalist today on Twitter they were like you're one of those journalists slash fans that only picks up negatives in the game I'm like oh shut up it's, so, it's not negatives it's just your team sucks so negatives yes journalists no <laughs> yeah negatives absolutely journalists oh please come on that's below the belt
1: <laughs> alrighty well uh, I suppose that wraps up another
2: another good chat yeah yeah it's been good fun it's uh it's it's nice when you turn up for a chat, Andrew.
1: Yeah, um, I've been doing it less and less.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's good that one of us is is um keen on doing this uh, this podcast every single
2: day. You, you know what? You've been busy, though, <laughs> So we we let you off. It's all right. Yeah, the the rona's got me busy. Yeah, the, well, when you say the rona's got you busy, you mean the rona's got you making bank? Oh yeah, oh yeah. You know, Make that's a the bank, brah. That's the problem, man. You know, it takes me
1: what used to be like a ten-minute walk from the front door into the uh, into the office here, where I can do the podcast. It does take about six or seven hours because I've got to wade through all of the cash in the hallways.
2: <laughs>
1: it's it's hard work, man. Yeah, because it's not it's not just the rona. It's all the shares I've got. Oh yeah, all the shares I've gotten in, in you know, the share the Brisbane Bomber shares. And then you got the, you got the,
2: yeah, with your vested interests.
1: Yeah, I mean, the reason why I've been talking down the Broncos so hard
2: is because it's boosting the, the price on the Bombers. You know, I saw uh, <laughs> Nick Politis. He apparently sold shares in the Broncos, and I was like, how is he allowed to ha- have ownership in two different teams? How is that not a conflict of interest? In a gigantic, massive, oh, my God, what the hell is going on here, way? Mm. Terrible. Terrible crazy i don't know what the hell's going on there there was a point and he might not have had shares at that point where he had a handshake deal with wayne bennett to go there and he said the only reason i won't go to the roosters is if it gets leaked to the media and it got leaked to the media and so wayne (laughs) bennett said go fuck yourself and i wonder if he did it that deal at the time when he also owned shares in the broncos
1: it's a very interesting question.
2: Mm. Um, it's, you would have thought that there would maybe be some journalist that would have asked that question, hey? Eh? No. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Probably too busy listing the top 10, hair, ten hairstyles in the game.
1: Too busy tr- trawling through fucking Instagram comments.
2: I can't wait to see the articles this week of what is with the spate of players slipping over? It's like, yeah, it's called, it's called a fucking downfall. It's called <laughs> a, a fucking thunderstorm, you dumb cunt. It's it's rain. Yeah. It's it's moisture. Are we having a spate of ACL injuries? No, it's one. <laughs> oh yeah. Because a jersey's Andrew. It will happen.
1: <laughs> well, it'll be, the, it'll be the tight bike shorts they wear underneath.
2: Yeah, it'll be something like that. They pull their socks down.
1: Their drawstrings on their pants are done too tight. Yeah, maybe they're using the wrong knot method.
2: Like, yeah, what type of... Uh, I don't know anything about knots. No, nah.
1: we, we don't We don't want to get into knot talk. I don't know much about knots either. No. I know how to make some. I don't know what they're called. And I don't know how to undo them.
2: I can tie my shoelaces. <laughs> Let's not start bragging here. I <laughs> know, right? My so ego's I'm fragile. I've <laughs> been doing it for three weeks now. Yeah, I'm, I'm still stuck with Velcro. Speaking of Velcro... Mm. If you go to manscaped.com, right, you won't have to worry about Velcro because you will be able to pick up the lawnmower 3.0 for 20% off if you use our code NRL, and you'll be looking just smart, sophisticated. Let's face it, it's going to look bigger as well. Okay. Smooth. It will look fantastic. So when you get it out, it's going to go, wow, you're ready for business. <laughs> And she'll have to. So go to manscaped dot com, put in the code NRL, and Furgo and the Freak will give you twenty percent off of free shipping. Go and get your manscaped. Absolutely. That's it's what we good. do for you. Yeah. Well yeah, we're and here to make sure you get lucky. Yeah. And you can catch us
1: on Twitter at Fergo Freak Pod. We're on Instagram, Fergo Freak Pod, Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn. Um We've even got our own website, Fergo and the Freak. Oh, is it dot com? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've only been saying it for a few a few months.
2: Yeah, it's it's all right. It's the you know what? It's the same name that our podcast is. Hey, I should remember that. Yeah,
1: See, it it's the um, it's all of the fumes coming off all of the cash in the office here is starting to get
2: to me a bit. Yeah, it's all those ink fumes. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. All that polymer. What's the, it made the, out of? What's what's our Australian money made out of? I feel like it's polymer. Yeah, I think it's polymer. Yeah, yeah, ice cream lids. Yes,
1: <laughs> <laughs> probably is. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same. It's the same texture.
2: It really is, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Um, so yeah, go over to FergoAndTheFreak and you can uh, check out all of our podcast episodes over there, and you can contact us on there as well, and send us an email.
2: Yeah. Hey, where would I go if I wanted to contribute to the uh digitization of rugby league history?
1: Ah, good question. It'll be uh, go to patreon.com slash RL project. You can make a, a monthly donation there starting from as low as one dollar a month.
2: That's awesome. So where would I go if I wanted to contribute to rugby league content creation? Well that that I mean that one I do know. That's easy.
1: You just go to uh, patreon.com slash league okay and that that guy over there he's got certain tiers set up there so you can mm-hmm. you know, you can donate three five ten bucks a month i think or something along those lines um yep. and you can go to these higher tiers he's got there
2: where you can donate
1: even more and get merch
2: free merch after three months you sign up for three months free merch mug yeah. t-shirt the ten dollar one you get a sticker as well after three months so uh nadine will be getting her sticker soon Get into that, people.
1: Mm. That sounds good. And we are very slowly working on some podcast merch as well.
2: Yeah. Oh, you know what I should do when we're finished here? I'll send you uh, the three pictures I've got to go with. I saw one that's been made for you that we talked about.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: It looks very good. Nice. It looks real good. Um, so, yeah, we'll be doing that. And... Then our next podcast, which will be up probably on Monday afternoon. So you're probably listening to this Monday morning or whatever. Uh, we're going to be talking to Sher and Lil from Toronto, They're Toronto Wolfpack fans. So I'll be talking to them and uh, just talking about the Toronto situation, how they got into rugby league and that sort of stuff. So it's going to be a good chat. And they've got their own podcast, haven't they? Uh, I don't know if it's a podcast or it's more like a – it's almost like a a show. Like they do, they do lots of YouTube stuff. Nah. like, like to call it a podcast, I think would be well underselling it. They maybe do lots a, of video stuff. Maybe it's a vodcast, a vlog. They call that
1: a vlog. Yeah. No, I'm I'm going with vodcast because I I I want to.
2: That's fine. Yeah. Yeah, they've got heaps and heaps and heaps of videos. I'll I'll, I'll link it all up tomorrow in the um the uh episode information but yeah it's going to be cool to talk to them because because they do so much so much uh media stuff over there and it's been great they've helped really support the game in toronto so it's going to be interesting to see what they think about the the whole situation there
1: absolutely tune in to that people that's going to be awesome Mm. and
0: on that note we'll catch us all next time